Thank you for joining us today for Wandering in the Word, where we read and discuss the upcoming week's lectionary texts at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Hey everybody, it's the third Sunday in Lent, so this is Wandering in the Word. We are continuing our theme of seeking, honest questions for a deeper faith, and this week we reflect on the question, will you give me a drink? It's a fair question. Yeah, so our texts are a lot about water, which as you can imagine, living in like an ancient deserty kind of a place was, um, yeah, kind of a big deal, like a priority, a concern. A concern, yeah, something you needed to have. Just yeah. didn't have tap water. So um, so we're going to do something a little different today, though. Uh, we have the story of the woman at the well, as it is affectionately called. And um, we're going to do a little impromptu reader's theater. What could go wrong? Nothing could go wrong. So, I mean, a lot could go wrong, but um, it's fine. We're all friends. So, um, so uh, just to make it a little more interesting, it is a bit of a longer story. You'll you'll recognize it, um, but uh, we thought it might be fun to hear it in a bit of a different way. So, are we ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, do it. let's hear from John Four. Oh yeah, our props. What are our? Go props? ahead, yeah, Melissa, you oh, were in charge of these. Yes. Um. So for this curriculum on Wednesday nights, our little people, our Wednesday night kids are using um, kind of some more tangible manipulatives to retell the story. So this week they'll be using little wooden people to be different characters. They have their gigantic wells because, (laughs) you know, it's a big well. They needed a large, large well. They're very thirsty. Yes. And then we have some other people kind of hidden, ready to go to help tell the story. So this is kind of how our kids are interacting with the story. Cool, yeah. Awesome. So if you're on the audio podcast, you can't actually see this. But yeah, they're sorry. little little wooden people. They're kind of fun. So yeah. are you going to help us act this out then, Melissa? Um, that uh, feels like a lot of multitasking. I, okay. I sure can help too. Brandy, yeah. We'll all chip in yeah. okay. to manipulate our, our manipulatives. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. Well, here we go. Uh, John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So he, Jesus, came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus was tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to drink water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, "Uh, Sir, you have no bucket. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Are we supposed to do something with these things? Well, they're just kind of meeting by the well. Oh, okay. So this is Jesus and the woman. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Sorry. Uh, Where were we? Uh, Thirteen. Oh. Um, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. 
Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. (laughs) When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, um, She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Where are we? I can't do this and this. Oh. I think it's too hard. It's too hard. Okay, in verse 29. Um, all right, he's told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, the city... <laughs> nope. Uh, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have... Uh, Oops, sorry. That's me. Oh, I got excited. I'm, I'm Jesus here. Hold on. Uh, Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another... Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, Uh, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Wow. Well, production value notwithstanding. That's a great story. It is a bit on the the longer side, so there's just a ton in here to to talk about. There really is. I mean, yeah, um, there's kind of different chapters of the story almost, yeah. you know, it's, um, I don't even know how to break it down exactly, but they start, they're, they're talking, he kind of reveals that he knows her, 
And then they start talking about like how to worship God and kind of this theological debate that was going on between Samaritans and um, uh, those in Jerusalem. And then it goes into her being excited and going and telling people and a lot more people get involved. So, <laughs> so That's right. And the disciples are just sort of generally, I don't know, what is their role in this? You know, they go and get food, and they tell Jesus have something to eat, and then they kind of are, they're kind of like our, our background yeah. chorus characters. Um, but I think, yeah, the the woman is obviously kind of the focal point across from Jesus, but they're sort of the power of the story is, I think, when the whole community comes with her to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world. Yeah. What a day that must have been. She like, yeah. go back to their well, and they're like... Curious. Yeah, I mean that's the person they've you know they've been waiting for this Messiah to come, and to have him then come to them of all people was mm-hmm. was something. Um, one thing that strikes me in the story, back right towards the beginning especially, is so right before this, this is chapter four of John. Last week we had chapter three with Nicodemus, and um, you know he came to Jesus at night and kind of had these questions. And there's some parallels to this story. And, and some differences, I think. Like the woman co- is in her, encounters Jesus in the daytime, mm-hmm. in the middle of the day. Um, like Nicodemus, who, you know, he's, he's like, how could you be born again? How Can you go back into your mother? And like, you know, he goes straight <laughs> right. to the literal. So does the woman. Mm-hmm. The, the woman's like, well, uh, in verse 11, you know, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our, our um, father Jacob? Or ancestor Jacob? And it's like... No, he's not talking about like the water from this well. <laughs> you know, he's talking about something else, and she kind of misses the point. But unlike Nicodemus, who like needs to go and it takes all of the Gospel of John before he kind of comes to to really. He had a lot too much unlearning to do. He had too much unlearning, as we learned heard in the sermon. Um, that's right. Uh, yeah, he, he she kind of gets excited and goes and tells people right away. She mm-hmm. she sees Jesus for who he is. Um, because he sees her for who she is. Isn't that interesting that, like, she had this very, uh, like, mind-boggling personal encounter and interaction with Jesus where she, I mean, it, it was obvious to her that this was no ordinary man. Like, at first she kind of names him as as a prophet, but it's when he starts talking about um, worshiping in spirit and truth that I, I don't know. Is that when sort of the light bulb goes on, or I I don't know. Yeah. Well, for me, on the surface of here, when he, when you know he kind of does this with almost feels like a parlor trick. He's like, mm-hmm. so why don't you go get your husband? Yeah. And you know, and she's like, well, I, I don't have a husband. He's like, that's right. I'm mm-hmm. gonna mansplain to you now your whole life. You know, it feels like he's just kind of doing this trick, but like to her, she seems to kind of see it as like, you mm-hmm. you you know me. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. actually know my pain and, mm-hmm. and the things I've been through. Um, and so it, I, I think it's far less of a parlor trick than it is like, you know, Jesus being Jesus and, right. and like, like I, I know what you're going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traditionally this story has been like, well, she's, she had five husbands and, you know, like she slept around or whatever, but like. We don't know that. It doesn't seem right. that. Yeah. I, I, I like the interpretation, like, you know, maybe she's lost five husbands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they've died you know, in war or in mm-hmm. an uprising or and who knows, whatever. And so she is like a, you know, a very grief-stricken woman looking for 
someone to, to get her, to understand mm -hmm. her, and, and here he is. Yeah, and she maybe is kind of an outcast from her community, mm -hmm. maybe because of that. I mean, it, there's not there's not anyone else hanging out at a well in the middle of the day. Right. Like, it's too hot. Yeah. They probably went and got their water in the morning that they needed for the day. Maybe they'll go back in the evening, but here she is. You know, Jesus is just sitting by a well because he's tired, and then this woman comes up. It's just the two of them, and... You know, that's that's in contrast then to the end of the story. We have all these people here, yeah. <laughs> this townspeople and the disciples, and um, that maybe that is sort of, yeah, her being like reintegrated back into the community that will hopefully support her going yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. I do like, there's like this like kind of more modern day poetry reading of this that um, has the refrain of to, to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And that kind of like fits in, I think, with Jesus kind of getting her in that idea that, like, you know, it goes both ways. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. So we have water, yeah. obviously, this living water that Jesus comes to offer at a well, from, at this very famous well the, from Jacob's well. Um, we have an Old Testament reading about water, too. So should we jump into that? Let's. Yeah, this is from Exodus 17. Starting at verse 1, From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here's all our Israelites then. <laughs> this is poor Moses. Poor Moses. Oh, Moses. I feel kind of bad for that dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, leadership. <laughs> He's taken a lot of blame for their hardships. Why did why'd you even bother to save us from slavery? Yeah, you are so gonna, thirsty. Was this your plan all along to just lead us out here to die? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it sucks to be thirsty. Right. You know, and desperate. So, like, I get that. But, like, yeah, it feels a little misdirected. Yeah. <laughs> like, do something for yourself. Go look for... <laughs> mm -hmm. Go look. Go find some water. Um, hmm. I love his line in verse 4 <laughs> when he's talking... Moses is talking to God. What shall I do with this people? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> driving me crazy. Yeah, I've heard this story before, go figure. Um, but I don't know that I really recognized in verse 6, God says, I will be standing there in front of you on the rock. Hmm. But like sort of invisibly because I, I, I don't know. I just, in my mind's eye, I only see Moses with his sort of magical staff, um, his divinely... A powerful staff and he strikes the rock and water kind of gushes out and I, I just have never pictured some 
vision of God on the rock. That is yeah. interesting. I had not noticed that before either. Because usually in, in these stories, God is either a flaming cloud or, well, that's usually what God is, yeah. right? <laughs> Pillar of cloud, a, pillar of, a cloud. pillar of fire, a burning bush. Pillar of cloud yeah. by day and a pillar of fire by night. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Um, yeah, you think they would notice that? Um, because it, is, it did that he did it in the sight of the elders of Israel. So I bet he got some credibility um. back after that. Um, that it wasn't just that they discovered, they happened to stumble across water, but like this is God's work among them, that this is um, a response to their... Their cries and pleading and God's gracious provision of, of water from a rock of all places. Yeah, not your first place to think of No. Um, when looking for water, but but hmm. it did work. So, yeah, so, you know, here they're looking for real water. Yeah. Um, in our gospel story, you know, Jesus is looking for real water, but then it quickly goes into this living water. Which, of course, we, we like to connect with baptism mm -hmm. and that uh, being a gift from God. Um, but Yeah, you know, this question I've been kind of turning around in my head, will you give me a drink? That question is never asked in that formation in either of our scripture readings. That in, in John 4, Jesus says, give me a drink. <laughs> and uh, in Exodus, the people say, give us water to drink. It's not even really a question. It is like a demand or a command or a request, perhaps, depending on tone. A um, request. Yeah. But then does this question kind of belong in the mouth of the woman at the well who mm. has discovered maybe a little more about what it means to have this living water from Jesus? Will you give me a drink? And is this our question then? to not just the people around us that we encounter. Is this our question to God? Will you give me a drink? And what does that, what does that even mean? Does yeah. That mean for us? I think there, you know, I, I remember learning in seminary a lot under, with pastoral care stuff and with the, the leadership stuff a lot. It's like, you know, a lot of times the questions people ask you aren't the actual question. Yeah, right. There's usually like a, a question underneath the question or a couple layers down, you know, it's, you gotta peel the onion. You gotta a little. peel the onion. Whether it's a question or they're upset about something, you know, oftentimes, it, and I think it's something deeper. And so, maybe the the question that the Israelites are like, are like, does God actually care about us? Right. Are we alone out are here? Are we alone out here? Um, are we going to die? Yeah. Um, and same with like the woman. Um, you know, she's she asks for the the living water. I, I don't know what exactly the question is. I mean, maybe it is like do. Do you care yeah. about me? When she starts, you know, goes into this theological conversation about where God is and where can you worship God on the mountain or in Jerusalem or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, the, maybe the underlying question is like, does, does God even care? Hmm. Does God care about me or my people? I don't know. I mean, does God care enough to give us the water that we need? Does God care enough about us to, to send us help in our times of trouble? I mean, I think the answer is yes, but you know that, that is kind <laughs> of healthy answer. Is. Yeah. That is the that is what we hope the answer is. Um, but yeah, who will, will you, you give, give me a drink? drink? And mm. what would fill your cup today? Hmm. Hmm. You ready? Sunshine. To have a, sunshine <laughs> yes. and not not snow. Would be great. Yeah. Um, 
don't know, you ready to have a baby, Melissa? Yeah, any any day now. <laughs> any day now. <laughs> yeah, fill your cup. Um, well, that's, that is a good question, though. What would fill your cup as well? So, well, good thoughts and questions and things. Um, anything else here, folks? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad our little Weeble people here could join <laughs> us today for our um, the third Sunday in Lent, or for Wandering in the Word, which is March 12, 2023. Um, for Melissa, Pastor Brandy, and myself, we're glad you could join us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thank you for joining us today for another Wandering in the Word podcast here at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. 